The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Isaiah 40, 1-5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Oh, wow. Emma, Emma, that was fantastic. And you had a good crew with you there. Thank you. Thank you for reading that for us this morning. Well, we are in the second Sunday of Advent, and we're in the fourth sermon in this series, Advent in Isaiah, A Weary World Rejoices. And this, this message is called, Comfort, Comfort Ye My People, taken from a passage in the text that Emma just so beautifully read, uh, and maybe recited. It looked like you had memorized that, but that was just amazing. So. Anyway, uh, so I want to open with, with a question that I, I think is, well, I'll just ask the question. And the question is this, are you lonely? Are you lonely right now? Is there a lonesomeness? I sent out a, uh, an email last week uh, talking about, um, you know, changing the plans for our, uh, our Christmas bonfire and how there's a, there's a grief that I'm feeling and kind of a lonesomeness that I'm feeling uh, about not being able to have a uh, regular Christmas holiday season. And there's a lonesomeness that comes with it, and then there's a lonesomeness that comes with all the other things. And, and so I want to ask that question, and I want to talk about um, loneliness today as we, as we look at this passage Because as we work through this passage and later look at an episode in the life of Jesus, that's really the question I want to take up because in each situation, whether it's the people of Judah in exile or um, an an Israel that is just unwilling to see their Savior or a world like the one that we're in right now uh, in, in, in pandemic where part of the solution uh, or at least response uh, involves keeping our distance from other people. I, I think these things make for a profound sense of loneliness. There's a, a song by U2 called Stuck in a Moment. It's on the All That You Can't Leave Behind record. Um, and there's in the video for that song, uh, part of the video is a, uh, it's a clip of a field goal kicker missing the game-winning kick And it just plays him missing the game-winning kick over and over and over again. You ever feel that way? It's kind of the Groundhog Day, but with devastating failure added on top of it, right? You ever felt that way? I imagine that's how Judah must have felt 
by this point in the reading of Isaiah because this book, this prophecy, is this mix of words of pronouncement of judgment with some words of hope kind of mixed in, but it, there's, there's just a lot of pronouncement of judgment that's happening. And, and in the verses right before the passage that we just read, comfort, comfort ye my people, are some words of doom. <laughs> I don't know another word for it. It's, it's doom. It's the kind of doom that says your property is going to be destroyed and your sons are going to made, be made into eunuchs for the king of Babylon. It's that kind of doom uh, where there's no inheritance and there's also no heirs. And it must have been just hard to keep returning, and it's a reminder to us of how stuck they must have been and, and maybe felt because of their own sin, how, how busted they are, how helpless they are, how they must have felt so lonely and adrift in the world. But then you come to today's text, and God pronounces this, this declaration of comfort and relief and so he says to an, un, an as unyet named advocate, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them. Tell her that her iniquity is pardoned, that her wars are ended. In other words, he's saying, tell them that the moment that they feel stuck in, with all of the isolation and the uncertainty and everything that's a part of that, that moment that you're stuck in is not going to last Sandra McCracken so beautifully sings the line, this is not okay, so I know this is not the end. Today's message is a message of comfort, and perhaps the most comforting word or little phrase in the whole thing is the phrase, my people, or that word, my, because what it's telling us is that God hasn't cast his people away. Even though there's all these words of judgment that are happening and all of these things that may make them feel like they're just being sat down and being given a lecture to, he says, he tells the advocate, comfort, not comfort those people, but comfort my people. The Lord says the wars are going to end, the iniquity is going to be pardoned, and Jerusalem, if you notice, it's a curious thing. It says Jerusalem is going to receive from God's hand double for all her sins. Now, what is that about? Because I read that and I thought, I don't understand what that means. What is, does that mean that God is going to make them pay twice as much as they owe uh, for their sin? Is that what that means? Uh, Alec Motyer, who's, a, who's an Old Testament commentator who, who wrote a commentary on Isaiah, he, he describes what's happening there in that phrase this way. He says, divine wisdom is two-sided. It always includes realities beyond the reach of the human mind. And so here, the thought is, is not of an excessive punishment running beyond what the case required, but it's of a dealing with sin that includes realities beyond our comprehension. And this is God's way. My friend and mentor, Scotty Smith, um, who, by the way, if you know Scotty Smith or if you don't know Scotty Smith, um, I don't think I'm talking out of school to say this, but I, 
I get a text message from Scotty Smith every day of just encouragement. And he was one of the first people that I talked to when I was a young man feeling a sense of call into ministry. And uh, he was the first person I went to. And I said, Scotty, I feel, I feel like the Lord may be calling me to be a pastor. And, I'm, I'm, and it terrifies me. And he said, good, that's how you should feel. And then he just encouraged me to no end in the way that, that is uh, just so unique and beautiful to, to Scotty in his, in his way, in his manner. Anyway, one of the things that Scotty, the reason I bring him up, is one of the things that Scotty will always say is he, is he says that when we repent, one of the things we need to repent of is even our repenting because we don't even know the scope of all the things that we ought to be repenting for. And, and so he's, he's kind of stuck this phrase in my mind of we, need, we even need to repent of our own repentance. And that's what's happening here in this verse. This is God's way. When he, when he promises to redeem us, he knows better than what we need to be redeemed from. And he redeems that too. In other words, we receive double what we think our sins require because we only see the half of it. And so that's what the Lord is telling the people here. He's saying, the things you know you need to be forgiven for, the things you know you need to be redeemed for, I'm going to redeem that, but then I'm also going to redeem all these other things that you're just blind to right now. And then Isaiah gives a predictive word about the coming of Christ. And in it, there's a reference to the work of John the Baptist who would do what verse three commands, and that is come and prepare the way in the wilderness for the Messiah's coming. And what the text tells us is Christ is gonna come and he's gonna smooth out every rough place, and he's gonna do it with the power to move and to shape the earth, and the people are going to see it. And the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed. The word is going to be made flesh. And as I think about this passage, and I think about the ministry of the life of Jesus, and I think about the year that we're in, I imagine that one experience that we all share in common is a feeling of loneliness, of being adrift, of being stuck in a moment that we can't get out of, of being isolated without a reentry plan, of being cut off from our forebears, of being uncertain about the future, of being lonely. And so I want to read a passage from Matthew. And here is the... Uh, the audience that I want you to picture in mind. And if you're able, I want you to imagine yourself as this person hearing these words, okay? So I want you to picture, are you, are you tracking with me on this? I want, this, is, this is how I want you to hear the words, put yourself in this position. Picture you are a, a teenager who has been arrested for drunk driving and you are sitting on the bench at the police station waiting for your parents to come. Okay? It's, it's like Isaiah's and Jesus' words are being spoken to that lonely kid, to that busted kid, to that stuck-in-a-moment kid. Are you lonely? One of the reasons that we deal with loneliness is because we have so much going on inside of us that people around us just don't know. They can't see. Loves, hates, fears, bitterness, anxiety, longing, pride, doubt, passion, all of these things. Vincent Van Gogh described his loneliness in this way. He said, a great fire burns within me 
but no one stops to warm themselves at it, and passers-by only see a wisp of smoke. Listen, a great fire burns in all of us, and when no one stops to warm themselves at it, or all they see is a wisp of smoke, our worlds get lonely quick, right? There's a passage in Matthew 23 I'm going to read. It's short. It's verses 37 to 39. And it's Jesus' lament over Jerusalem. And he says this. This is, this is during the, the Passion Week. He's about to go to the cross. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is one of those moments where Jesus was saying to Israel what Isaiah said to Israel, and that is you see, but you don't understand. You hear, but you don't perceive. And it gives us a picture of a people that are living out of their loneliness, which for them is this feeling of being, of having been left alone by God. After he had promised to be with them, that's how they feel. They feel that they are on their own now. And Jesus laments over their unwillingness to receive him. And his last words to Israel as a nation, only days before he goes to the cross, here, the ones we just read, are complicated by the fact that as we see in Isaiah... These people had good reason to be discouraged. The prior centuries had not been kind to them. They didn't know if they would ever come home again. I think in 2020, we've gotten a taste of that. I don't think we've come anywhere near the the full experience of what they have. I think we've gotten a taste of that, of wondering, like, is anything ever going to be right again? And so when they did come home again, They got to work rebuilding, and that rebuilding work occupied more of their hope than waiting for the Messiah to come and deliver them. They felt like they were on their own, and it was up to them now. And so they were spiritually and emotionally beat up. But they were beat up to the point that Jesus says to them, Jerusalem, you kill your own prophets. That's how unwilling you are to hear from God right now, is you just won't have it. You just won't have it. And we can relate to this, right? We go through some major life transition or some experience of loss. We have a hard time seeing life through any other lens than our present suffering. And it can be so hard to see past our pain. Why is this? Well, Frederick Bickner said this. He said, you do not just live in a world, but a world lives in you. And when the world that we want is not unfolding in the way that we want it to. When we believe that the world we want is the world that we're entitled to but can't have, that's when we kill our prophets. That's when we shut down those people who try to help us see what's true because it's incongruent with what we want. And so we end up lacking the capacity to see and hear truth. And it may take years It may take years before we see the season that we're in right now uh, with any kind of clarity. And so I pray that we would be people who would walk through this 
loneliness and the frustration and the sorrow that we're experiencing, the weariness that we're experiencing, that we would do that with great humility. And I pray that we would also understand that our loneliness tells us something, and it tells us something that is true. See, loneliness doesn't grow from an evil root. It comes from a God-given desire to be known and to be loved. It tells us things that are true. It comes from a hunger for fulfillment and belonging. It affirms our desire for acceptance and love. It awakens in us a protest against isolation. Consider how Jesus responded to the Israel that wouldn't receive him. Jesus affirms there is discord between the world we have and the one we were made for. And so when Jesus says, I've longed to gather you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her her brood, he's affectionately affirming their sense of isolation. And he's saying it is real and it's not meant to be that way. He doesn't want it to be that way. God knows the distance they feel. He knows the distance you feel. And he doesn't want it either. In fact, here's the irony, is that the God they think has left them has actually taken on flesh and now dwells among them, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? In other words, here's another place of so many in Scripture where we see that the Lord doesn't just see our loneliness and pain. He does something about our loneliness and pain. And so I want to conclude with a couple of points, a few points of brief application when it comes to dealing with and addressing our loneliness, because loneliness can take us to dark places. So how do we proceed when we feel stuck in a moment, when we feel like we're that kicker just missing that field goal over and over and over again? And even though it's the same action over and over and over again, the shame is compounding and compounding and compounding. It's important because it can be so easy to leverage our loneliness into just contempt for other people. We can leverage our loneliness into contempt for people who aren't being for us what we hoped they would be. We can leverage it toward people who have left us or have sinned against us. We can leverage our loneliness into contempt for those that we hoped would come to us at some point eventually and then never did. But I want to tell you something about going down the road of contempt. It's a road to hell and it has no end. We will never run out of failures and unmet expectations to hang on other people. You just won't. People will never get their acts together to the degree that you will not find fault any longer. We fail all the time. And when our loneliness nurses contempt... We walk a dangerous road because we end up creating an even greater distance. So let us look to Jesus in this text so that he might train our hearts in how to respond. Because even though Jesus' experience with loneliness came from a place of perfect spiritual maturity and ours does not, let us still consider how we can follow him in his grief over a world that was not meant to be. So three very quick points of application as we wrap this up. The first is, just as Jesus understood what was really going on in their hearts, we should interrogate our own hearts too. 
when we feel loneliness, when we feel contempt, when we feel isolation, we should interrogate our own hearts. We do well to interrogate our hearts when we feel alone, when we feel cast aside by others. We should ask ourselves, why do I feel this way? Where does this loneliness or this hurt or this anger come from? What is not being fulfilled that I want to have fulfilled? Because we all have expectations that we put on other people. And the question is, are those expectations fair? Are they biblical? Are they humble? What good truth lies hidden behind the dark side of my emotion? We should interrogate our hearts when we struggle. The second response to loneliness and struggle is this. As, as just as Jesus came to draw Israel together into a new community, the kingdom of God, we should engage with the community that he has given us. So when you're feeling lonely, the thing to do is not to withdraw further from the community that the Lord has given you. Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth, which for our era is the church. And so when we feel alone, we need to remember that the Lord has given us something. He's given us his people. He's given us a place to belong there. In fact, next week, we're going to be receiving some new members on Sunday morning. And the reason we do that, the reason we have membership is because we believe the church is not just something you go to, but it's something you're part of. It's a body of which we are each a part. And it's a humbling exercise to do this because the church, has given, because the church that the Lord has given us is not always uh, the world we desire, is it? But this is a good thing because we're receiving what Christ has given and receiving what Christ has given requires us to serve others and lay down our rights to ourselves. It's a mercy that Christ did not come to give me the world just as I wanted it. That world was my kingdom. He came to give me his kingdom and he came to give me his kingdom as he wants it. And what does this do? Well, it saves me from myself. And so engage with the community Christ has given you. And then third and finally, just as Jesus assures Israel that he will come again, we should let the pain of our loneliness awaken a protest against isolation and nurture the hope of his return. The pain of our loneliness should feel to us as a protest against isolation. We should let our deepest hurts and sorrows guide us as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, there is no surefire way to avoid lonely seasons in this life. And we've been dealt a strange one going into this holiday. So let us consider the value of using the loneliness that we feel to help us honestly understand the nature of the world that we want and let it also humble us into asking the Lord to give us eyes to see the kingdom that he has given, which is the one that we were made for. This holiday season reminds the lonely that Christ has ransomed captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. So rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has come to you, O Israel, and he will come again. May your celebration of Christmas be marked by your worship of Jesus. Let's pray.
<coughs> Father, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy and your grace. We thank you for uh, the way that you, Jesus, in your incarnate life, your earthly ministry, that you did not withhold display displays of emotion, but that you let them be canonized in your words so that we can see our emotive God responding emotionally to the world that he came to redeem. And so, Lord, we are emotional people, and we confess that sometimes we are governed by our emotions in ways that are um, unhealthy for us. Lord, I pray that we would hear the longing in Jesus as he looks at Israel and says, I I long to gather you. And in that being an inherent promise that that's what he will do and what he is doing. And so, Lord, help us to just deal honestly with how we feel. Help us to go to you with those feelings Help us to engage more deeply with the communities you've put us in, the community of faith, the local church. If that's Christ Pres Cool Springs, then with Christ Pres Cool Springs, Lord, to make us a community of healing and encouragement. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.